the future of golf is data. When you look at the scorecard, I mean, it started with data. Like literally the scorecard in golf looks like an Excel spreadsheet, except it was created 500 years ago. The data we're collecting is certainly gonna help golfers get better. There's no doubt about that. We see it, our average user improves 3.55 shots in a season. That was for 2017. And probably way more likely to have a whole in one. And then beyond that, this data is gonna help the entire golf industry. When you think about today, a couple examples, when you look at golf instruction, it's not very data-centric where it needs to be. Uh, and the reason is because teachers don't have that data, but imagine an experience where it's turned upside down on the head, where today the instructor has to ask you to take a swing and then it's like, okay, this is what we need to work on. But in the future, they're gonna look at your performance on the course and that's gonna determine what you're gonna work on. So it's literally the opposite, not the range is going to determine what you do on the course, but the course determines what you do on the range. And I think that paradigm shift is going to happen because of this data. Welcome to season three of the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the disruptors, influencers, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Sal Sayed, who is the CEO of Arcos Golf. Sal, thanks for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Awesome to be here with you, Colin. Oh, it's great to have you here too. I'm really excited about having this conversation, Sal. So I spent a lot of my time talking about and working in the startup and innovation space, both inside and outside the golf industry. Some of the areas that I find fascinating are artificial intelligence or AI, big data and machine learning. But I've never had the opportunity to explore these topics as they apply to the golf industry. Well, that is until today. So I'm very excited to learn about the shot tracking system, data capture and analysis platform that you've created with Arcos Golf. So Sal, let's start with hearing about who you are your connection to golf, and your entrepreneurial journey that led to the aha moment for Arcos Golf. Sure. So I'm Sal Sayed, CEO and co-founder of Arcos Golf. My background, I would say, as it relates to golf, when I was maybe 13, 12 or 13, around that time, like uh, my dad got me into golf. He is a golfer, and he'd been trying to convince me to golf for the longest time. And I I grew up playing tennis and cricket, and I grew up in Pakistan, so I was playing all these other sports, and I would see my dad golfing, and I would say, uh, to be perfectly honest, at that point, from a kid's perspective, golf looked very slow and really right. boring. And it took a lot of work for my dad to convince me to give it a try. But the first time I tried it, like I remember there was the third hole and I hit this five iron pure and I was like, wow, that felt so good. And I would say I, I got hooked ever since that happened. And now it's been, I guess, close to 25 years that I've been golfing and golf's been a major part of my life and many, many different decisions I've made throughout. And it's, I would say it's like the beauty of golf. I mean, I played college tennis. I came to the U.S. for college and I played college tennis at Ohio Wesleyan, where I was the captain of the tennis team. And the one thing that golf has over basically every other sport is you can continue getting better at it for way longer than really any other sport. And I would say I'm 37 now or I'll be turning 37. And this is the best golf I've played in my life. When I, Once I was done playing college tennis, I knew like it'd be hard to keep getting better at probably start getting worse and the reason I'd say it's like twofold reason why you can keep getting better at golf one it's not I'd say physically like the requirements are a little bit different than just pure strength and two you can play with really anybody and, and a lot of other sports to get better you have to find somebody who's at that level or above and compete with them to get learn from that and get better with golf you're like playing against yourself against the golf course against the environments against the elements and so you can continue getting better and better so I find that really fascinating that challenge 
Nice. So it sounds like it was a magical five iron that you hit that still sticks in your mind there as one of those epiphanies with you as far as uh, your connection to golf. So with that five iron, I know that with Arcos Golf, it's all 14 clubs that you're able to enable your users mm-hmm. with, not just a five iron. So with that, can you tell our listeners what Arcos is and what fundamental problem did you initially set out to solve with Arcos? Yeah, so the fundamental problem that we set out to solve with Arcos was really bringing data to golf in a way where it's going to be beneficial to the golfer and also the golf industry at large. And when you think about golf as a sport, it really is set up for data analytics and advanced analytics and AI stuff way better than literally any other sport, even better than baseball. Baseball obviously had this revolution through Moneyball. Golf, I would say, while it has a bigger potential, it, it is having that data revolution at the professional level. But at the amateur level, it really wasn't going through that. I would say we're kind of at the forefront of it. And so what does data do for golf? I mean, the whole idea is when you look around literally anywhere in the world, every industry is being transformed by data. When you look at advertising, Google and Facebook, they're transforming advertising through data because they have data on the users, data on what people are thinking through searching or through their likes or their comments, and as a result, are able to better match product and consumers. And so similarly, like Uber is using GPS data to better match like drivers and the passengers. And so like data is transforming every other industry. We're like, okay, how can we use data to transform golf? And so as we started looking at the problem, like I would say there's a twofold problem. One is you've got to capture the right data and capture, you have to capture that data automatically, especially as it relates to golf. So the first problem we realized we had to solve was we had to solve the data capture problem. How could we capture data automatically and seamlessly? And the way we did it and the way we do it, it's going to be an evolution. System's going to keep getting better and better and better. We're already on our second generation product. But the idea was you put a sensor on a golf club and the sensor's job is to detect when you've taken a golf shot when you've made impact with a golf ball. And it has to discard all the other impacts uh, the sensor, uh, the club makes. So for example, it could be practice swings. It could be you got pissed and you tossed the club. It could be hanging sand out of your shoes and all that stuff. So we mastered that technology. So now we're able to detect when you take every shot and how do we figure out where the ball ends up? Well, that's where you take your next shot from. And so it's really connecting these dots the shots that you take, first shot over here on the tee box, second second shot over here in the fairway, we're able to tell how far you hit. We're also recording all the data, peripheral data around that shot. So for example, where what was your starting terrain? Did you start at that shot on the tee box? Did it end up in the right rough? What were the weather conditions around it? What hole was it? How wide was the fairway when you missed it? What was the wind doing? Where was the sun? So we're basically capturing all this data. We've made this automatic. We've made it very, very, very seamless. So as you're golfing, you really don't have to think about capturing the data. I would say that was problem number one, to get to what really we want to do, which is use all this data to help golfers get better. And do you want me to go into how we use this data? Yeah, why don't you talk about that a bit? Like, tell us for our listeners here, tell us what, because there's so much information with the data that you're collecting here. What is the most useful information that an average golfer can take away from Arcos to help improve their game? With someone like me, I'm an 18 handicapper. So what would I take away once I start using Arcos Golf? I would say there's probably three main things I would say today. By the way, our average 18 handicapper after one season with Arcos, which we're defining, and if you play more than 10 rounds in a season, the average improvement 
is over four and a half shots. So you'll be a 13 and a half and I can pretty much okay, guarantee well, that. With that, I'm going um, to have you on the podcast a year from now. I'm going to make sure I play at least 10 rounds this year, which I failed to do last year, which is kind of sad. So I'll track that data and let's see where we are. Hopefully I get at least four strokes or if not better. I'm looking forward to that. So how do we do that? Well, I would say there's three key things. One, the first low-hanging fruit is, but I'm, I don't blame golfers, but it's impossible really for a golfer to know yes. how far they hit each club. And the reason, I'll give you like a few reasons. One, there's a cognitive bias. The golfers overestimate their ability, but that, it's not just golfers. It's like throughout society. When you go to a driver's license institute, some of my professors at Yale conducted this study where 87% of driver's license institute people say that they're above average drivers. So we know that's not possible, but people overestimate their ability. Similarly, golfers overestimate how far they hit because they remember their best shots, not their average shots. And by the way, it's like just really hard to think about like how to get to an actual number, how far your eight iron actually goes. You probably need to remember maybe at least seven, eight, 10 shots worth of data, but that might be spread out over 10 rounds. And those 10 rounds might be spread out over two months. There's no way a human being can remember that. So as a result, what we do is we like use basically our best guess powers. And we come up with these numbers in our head, like, okay, eight iron goes 150. So we're literally guessing. But what Arcos is able to do is record those numbers, tally it up, take out anomalies, take wind, elevation, all that stuff into account, and then give you a true expected distance on when you're going to hit a step up and hit a shot. And so right there, what we see is our average user after 10 rounds with Arcos hits their approach shots about 14.9 feet closer to the hole. So that's like 270 feet less of putting you have to do over the course of an 18-hole round. And that's a big, big, big difference. And what, what does that translate to in terms of stories? We have users who say like, hey, they posted on Facebook saying before Arcos, 40 years of golf, zero hole-in-ones. Since Arcos, six wow. months of golf, two hole-in-ones. And that's not unique. I've had three hole-in-ones in the last three years. And it's not because I'm golfing anymore. I, this is how much I golf throughout my life. I've been golfing 25 years. It's because I know on average my ball is going to end up close to the hole because I know my nine iron goes 137. And so if the flag says 139 is not a lot of wind, I know my nine iron is nine, I get there. And so maybe I need to choke down an eight iron. Or if it's 135, I take two yards back to make it 137. And so literally those kinds of decisions you can make and you get more hole in ones. So that's number one, club distances, which is low-hanging fruit. Now to number two, which is a little bit more advanced, but again, we simplify this information so you can understand it. As we break your game down into driving approach, chipping, sand, putting. Because golf really is five games in one. Each one of these aspects of golf involve either a different kind of technique, different kind of decision making, or different kind of terrain. And we're able to isolate what facet needs most work. So this is where I would call this like the money ball style advanced analytics for golf. So what do I mean by that? I think the easiest way to think about it is rather than get into the nitty gritty of it, traditional stats in golf, which is like tracking how many fairways you hit, how many greens you hit, how many putts you had per round to figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are and what you want to work on is actually they'll more often than not give you the wrong answer. They conflate like different things. So for example, let's look at number of putts. So you could have a high number of putts because your putting's bad. We could also have a high number of putts per round because your approach game is bad and you're leaving yourself 70 foot putts every green. But just purely tracking the number of putts isn't going to solve that problem for you. It isn't going to get you the right answer. You'll always just right. think that putting's bad. 
So what we do is we take context into account, like how far are those putts from, how far are you hitting the approach shots from, and we're able to break your game down. And my personal story over there is I was about four years ago, I was about a seven handicap, and I was trying to get better and better. And I was looking at, before we introduced the tour analytics, the handicap breakdown facet in, our, in the app, I was trying to get better. And I was looking at how many putts I'm taking. And it would always be 36, 38, 40, like a lot of putts. And I kept practicing putting, not getting better. And then we introduced the tour analytics and literally my approach handicap was like a 12 or a 13 and my putting handicap was a scratch. So I was putting like a scratch player and approach was the problem. And so as soon as I knew that, I started working on that. It improved dramatically and very, very quickly. So knowing what your weaknesses are serves two functions. One, it lets you target your effort, your money, your time around the right thing. So if you're going to buy something, buy a new piece of equipment, if you're going to get a lesson, if you're going to spend 15 minutes before your round working on something, you know what to work on. But more importantly than that, I would say it empowers and motivates you. Having knowledge about what you need to work on is like a liberating experience. It's like knowing, okay, this is what I need to do to get better, makes you more motivated, more energized to go out and do it. And I would say that's also something that people won't realize till they experience it. And so, so those are two key things. And the third one is when you think about core strategy and quickly, like it's the Arcos Caddy, which helps you figure out your optimal strategy around it. Right. Yeah. Well, let me dive into some of the other things that you had talked about. Well, first of all, I'm very excited to know there's a potential for me in my 30 plus years of playing golf and still looking for my first hole in one that perhaps 2018 will be the year that I actually do it with Arcos Golf helping me make that happen. So I'm already excited for that. So just to kind of step back here a little bit, Sal, so people understand that are listening here, of course, we've got sensors in the butt of the shaft of every single club here from driver all the way down to gap wedge and including putter. And you've got that layered in. We're going to talk about Arcos 360 and Arcos driver and Arcos caddy and how those all come together. But you have, if I understand the number correctly here, Sal, you have over 20,000 golf courses around the world that you've got GPS tracked that layer in with all the data that's actually being fed back and integrated in with your products. Is that correct? That's right. It's actually, I think it's over 40,000 that we have. 40,000. Nice. Yeah. So basically, I would say any golf course in the world that hasn't been opened in the last few months is in our database. And we have it mapped to the nth degree. Gotcha. Okay, good stuff. So, hey, one of the things I love to talk about here on the show, in my background in the startup world here, is with a lean startup. We're creating a minimal viable product, something to get it out to market, which I'm sure you did, first of all. So I'd like to hear about a bit about that. And also, so our listeners understand, how long has Arcos been on the market? When did you first release your product? And what was the first product that you released? And what have you added since then? Sure. So we've been on the market for three years now. First product was Gen 1 of our sensors, which were a little bit bigger. Batteries would last about 40 rounds. Accuracy wasn't, I would say, as good as Gen 2 of our sensors in terms of isolating what a golf shot is versus isn't. It was still like a really good system. But talking about MVP and all that stuff, we knew like with the hardware, we had to get out quickly. We actually worked with IDEO, which is uh, one of the premier design consultancies in the world. They came up with like the concept of the mouse. They work heavily with Apple. And so I would say when we thought about, okay, minimum viable product, 100% agree with that concept for a startup. We certainly, I would say, ascribe to the MVP ethos. And as a startup, it's the worst thing you can do is invest a lot of time and money into an effort into something that nobody really wants. And so I think like the, what we've done is we realize the first thing we need to solve 
and this was a lot of early research that we did, is really make the data capture seamless. And yeah, we can't make it perfectly seamless immediately. So for example, people take gimme putts right now. Like when you don't make impact with the putter and you pick it up, that's something the app doesn't recognize and you just do one tap ad for a gimme putt. And that's eventually we're going to solve that. We're going to solve that through AI and predictive analytics and get very, very accurate based on certain factors. But that's a compromise we had to make around, okay, we can't solve everything from day one, but we got to solve the biggest problems. And the biggest problems are every single other shot you're taking when you're actually making impact with the golf ball. How do we solve that? Early on, I would say Gen 1 to Gen 2, we made a compromise where, so you had to carry your clubs upside down when you were carrying multiple clubs. Because initially to the system, if let's say you're carrying two clubs and they hit each other, it could register as a shot. And the system had a tough time distinguishing that versus impact with a golf ball. We solved it by, okay, if it's upside down, then however much it clangs, don't do it. And Gen 2, we solved that problem. So I think we take stuff step by step because some problems are really, really hard to solve. And you can't be in a startup world, you can't spend two years solving a problem. And I'd say it gets even more complicated when it's a hardware software startup on where to make those choices. Because the software, you can roll it out iteratively. Hardware, you have to go through these cycles where you have to really create a hard line boundary. Like, okay, this is where we're going to stop now. Now let's go into production, do all this stuff, and then solve these problems in Gen 2 hardware version. I would say it's like really tricky, but it's driven by how well you as a company understand your customer or consumer. Well, it sounds like right out of the gate, you did embrace this lean startup methodology with think big, start small and scale fast. Find your customer first. As you touched on there, one of the sayings that you don't want to create a product on time and on budget that nobody wants. So with that, who were your first customers or who who did you go out to actually test this, to validate, to find out, was it yourself and your friends or who, who did you first test the first prototype or version of Arcos to see if there was demand and it was something that people wanted? Totally. And we did, I would say we used multiple approaches. One was just locally, we're based uh, just north of New York City, about 45 minutes north of New York City in Connecticut. So what we do is we pick three or four local courses over here where we would do demo days. So we'd literally show up with 10 boxes of sensors and whoever, like we had a relationship with the golf course and they they were very supportive and they would let us pair up people uh, before their team off and then we'd get feedback from them. So these were like where we wouldn't reach out people in advance. It was like impromptu, like we're signing people up right there. Uh, we also did planned demo days. So at the Yale golf course where we'd send out emails to the golf course members and have them sign up. And we saw like it would always fill up immediately as soon as that email went out. So that was an indicator. And then we'd get feedback on what worked, what didn't. And the cool thing is with golf, people are very passionate. Like you're playing golf because you love golf and you're passionate about it personally. So you get a lot of feedback, a lot of emotional feedback. So we're able to tap into a lot of that. We also work with IDEO through that process. And then also I would say like right as we're getting down to it, like certainly my friends, I personally am an avid golfer. So I think like going deep with a few people is really, really insightful. So we did both things. So we had a group of about 30 avid beta users pre-launch who were giving us feedback for, I would say, probably close to a year. Actually, maybe like six, seven months. And so it was identifying those people, plus also testing it with the people that actually don't know us. So getting that feedback, I think it was important for early development and testing. And we still, I would say, maintain a really robust 
beta program where any stuff we launch first goes out to our beta user base. We get feedback from them if there are changes, if there's stuff. We also have a product, uh, it's called APOC. It's uh, Arco's Power Users Group. When we're building out new features and things like that, we're getting initial feedback right after designs from them so that we can quickly iterate if there's things that they like or don't like. And that power user group is really driven by the different types of personas that we know exist in our user base. And so we understand like who's going to want what and how they respond to it. So they're almost like representative. The key is creating a platform where people are able to provide feedback rather than you constructing a platform where you're getting the feedback that you want. Yes, known as vanity metrics. You're then getting the data back that you're hoping for or that you care to look at. So this leads into my next question here. It's it's great to hear that you have this power users group here. Sounds like you're continuing and even expanding this culture of experimentation and innovation. So I'd like to hear a bit about your team at Arcos and the company itself and the culture there. Sounds just from what you've described yourself that you are very much keeping that innovative hat on as you continue. You're not and as you mature as a company, you're never going to let that go. So you can continue to create new products. So can you tell us a bit about your team and the, the culture there at Arcos? So team is one of the things we look for certainly is passion for golf, passion for technology and passion for startups. The startup mindset is very different. You're fighting against time. It's really a war you're in fighting against time and you're figuring out things that have never been done before and you have to solve them faster than they've been solved before. And so I think that mindset, yeah, you believe in yourself. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it really, really well, probably as well as anybody can solve this problem. And I'm going to do it really quickly with minimal resources. So you, you have to be really, really creative in solving these problems. I think that's what we certainly look for. And that's what our team's built on. Uh, but in addition to that, what we also believe is a golfing culture. Because we're solving golfers' problems. We're trying to make golf more fun, make you play better. It's important for us. So what we do is when there's no snow on the ground, which unfortunately there is right now, whenever people can golf once a week during company time, like so whenever you're working, like we fund one round of golf a week for you and we encourage you to go out and play so that not only do you experience golf, but you also experience the product. And you internalize like, okay, if there's something that's missing in there, something you want, like I think it gives people, whether you're a programmer at Arcos or in marketing or in sales, it gives you a direct perspective into the mind of the consumer and you're acting like one. And so for us, it's important to keep that golf culture because then everybody is acting as a consumer, as a user of Arcos, even as they're working at Arcos. And that I think leads to a much better product. It also leads to much cooler features, ideas, I would say it leads to creativity and in terms of problem solving, because nobody likes to experience bugs. And when you know you can solve them, they get solved much faster, especially if they're bugging you. Absolutely. I love to hear that baked in the culture there that you're encouraging people really as a benefit, employee benefit to get out and play more golf. Because I know myself personally, I'm living that sad irony now that I am officially in the golf industry. Now I seem to be playing less and less golf. So the fact you are actively encouraging your staff members to play more, that's fantastic. Wanted to get back to IDEO for a minute here. Myself as an architect and designer, I'm familiar with their design thinking methodologies and have been a big fan of IDEO for years. So I'm very curious to hear how you stumbled across IDEO and, and got them involved for your product and experience designed to, to move forward with that. Because I have to say, it seems so simple, of course, putting the sensor on the butt of the club there and the way you've designed this. There's an elegance to the design, not only the physical product, but also the user experience with what you actually have on the app there. So I'd love to hear a little more insight on how your relationship with IDEO came about. 
Sure. So actually, I was uh, the way I heard about IDEO was we did a case study on IDEO at business school at Yale. And it was around design thinking and all that stuff. I, was, I, I didn't even know companies like that existed at that point. I was like, wow, this is so cool the way they work the way their processes where they think so but when we work with them they were talking to the world's top chess players and so they think out broad and then they go deep and so so they're looking outside of golf to get inspiration and then then once they've honed in we were part of that entire process which is really cool which is something i really wanted was complete integration so it shouldn't be that ideo is working in a silo without us so i wanted that whole culture especially early on to set the foundation of future stuff that we did as well. And so part of the reason or the uh, thought behind hiring IDEO was like, it's going to be a learning experience for the company from a culture perspective on how to think and how to solve problems creatively. But part of it was also the great work they've done in the past and the people we met. We actually interviewed all the top design firms and talked to all of them and settled on IDEO because we thought that particular team we were going to work with was the best we could get. And so it was really, I would say, enlightening in the sense that being open to unexpected answers and then understanding why consumers are saying what they're saying and going deeper, like the five whys and all that stuff, like really with a few people, you can go really deep and get to a really great product. I would say like a big, big, big insight, like the superficial surveys of thousands, thousands of users might get you some answers in some cases as well. But in terms of product development and feature building and understanding how people respond to that, interacting with that app or the sensor and like literally observing people physically is so key. And you don't have to observe a thousand people to get to the key issues. No, I've seen their work in the architectural realm that they'll build as far as customer journeys, whether it's a, a patient journey or a nurse or a doctor's journey in a hospital, they'll physically build a mock-up and work through that to discover and get the insights there, which is fantastic. So just one last question with IDEO here. So once you came out of the process, and maybe this is an ongoing collaboration with a partnership with them, what came out of their findings of something you didn't even think of or even imagine that has been significant for you with Arcos? So I think one of the really interesting things was how data means different things to different people. For example, for the beginners, I mean, initially my gut was like data is only going to be for the advanced user. And they came out with, no, this data is going to be meaningful and valuable to literally every spectrum of the golf industry. And for example, beginners, it was more of an independence thing because otherwise, whether it's, let's say you're taking somebody to the golf course for the first or second time, they're going to be asking you, what club should I hit? What club should I hit? What club should I hit? And people don't like that. Nobody likes to be dependent on somebody else. They feel like they're bugging their buddy or their wife or their husband, whoever's gone them out to the golf course. And having a solution like this can potentially give people independence and maybe get more people into golf because you won't feel as reliant and dependent on another human being, which can sometimes be a deterrent to getting into golf. That's something that just stuck out. And still, I still remember it. There's a whole bunch of really big surprises, but that's one I, I would say like we still haven't gone down the path of like really attacking the first, second, third experience of golf. Today, Arcos is for somebody who plays say 10 or more rounds a year. But in the future, I would say that would definitely be something that can help. But that was like, you know, that's really surprising. And that was really insightful. So it sounds like your partnership with them, and I think it's fair to say that is really a partnership, that collaboration you have with them continues on. 
like to talk about other partnerships. I know in, in startup world and what we do, and sounds like what you're building there also, it does take a village here and it does take partnerships and support. So I know on the golf side that you actually have a relationship and, and endorsement from three-time PGA Tour winner and 2014 FedEx Cup champ, Billy Horschel, and also with World Long Drive champ, Jamie Saldowski. So between them and other people, I'm, I'm very curious to hear as you start to scale here, and you can't do this alone in a silo, what partnerships have you built beyond Billy and Jamie there to help scale up Arcos? So I would say like there's two key partnerships, which I think are like groundbreaking as far as golf's concerned uh, and the future of golf's concerned. It really sets the stage for this. Uh, number one is our partnership with Cobra. Starting February 2nd, I believe, literally every single club Cobra makes will have Arco sensors embedded in it on the market. So you'll already, it'll be embedded in the grip. So that thing, that's the future of the industry. But my guess is by 2020, every club on the market will be coming embedded with Arco sensors in it. So that's a big one, I think, in terms of when you think about, you know, like it's a really a seminal moment in the history of golf. Till today or till February 2nd, like the clubs have had three key components, mm -hmm. the grip, the shaft and the head. And this is the first time in 500 years of golf that a company, Cobra, a legitimate golf brand, is believing that the future is data and technology. And it's coming with four key components, a sensor, a grip, a shaft, and a head. So I think that's a seminal moment. This is where golf changed into embrace data. And this is where the golfing experience possibly changes because of all the data that we're going to start collecting. And then I would say the second partnership that I think, again, is groundbreaking is with Microsoft. And that's an AI partnership. We are together building amazing golf products. And the first thing that we've done is launched Arcos Caddy, which is the AI-driven solution. And it sounds so complicated, AI and all this stuff. But the beauty of this is all that technology, all the complexities hidden to the consumer. All the consumer thinks about is like literally think of your interaction with a human caddy. And that's the simplicity we're going to deliver. Okay, what is your optimal strategy for a club? But the reality is this AI caddy, the Arcos caddy, is smarter than any human caddy possible because it's taken into account your shots, taking into account all the other shots hidden on that hole or similar holes. It's taking into account wind conditions, weather conditions, what the cloud cover is like, what the barometric pressure is like, what the sun, direction of the sun is, what the temperature is what the ground conditions are like, did it rain the day before, all that stuff is taking all that data into account and giving you your optimal strategy for every single hole. So that's our second partnership, but that's this is almost the first step of that second partnership. We're going to do many, many amazing things together with both our partners. So we're very excited about that. Wow. Well, usually I finish up the Mod Golf podcast with asking your views on the future of your company and the future of golf, but I think you pretty much answered it there with the partnerships that you're putting in place here, unless there's something else you'd like to add there, Sal, as far as your thoughts on the future of golf in 5, 10, 20 years from now. But I think it's already exciting on the AI side where you're going. So go for it. Sure. you got some other thoughts. Totally. And I would say like if I were to wrap it up, so the future of golf is data and when you look at the scorecard, I mean, it started with data, like the literally the scorecard in golf looks like an Excel spreadsheet, except it was created 500 years ago. And what is the future? What do I mean by data? Like this data is certainly going to help golfers. The data we're collecting is certainly going to help golfers get better. There's no doubt about that. We see it. Our average user improves 3.55 shots in the season. That was for 2017. And probably way more likely to have a hole in one. I don't have exact stats on that, but I should go dig in after this. And then beyond that, this data, I think it's going to help the entire golf industry. When you think about today, a couple examples, when you look at golf instruction, it's not very data centric where it needs to be. 
Uh, and the reason is because teachers don't have that data, but imagine an experience where it's turned upside down on the head, where today you are first, like you, the instructor has to ask you to take a swing and then it's like, okay, this is what we need to work on. But in the future, they're going to look at your performance on the course and that's going to determine what you're going to work on. So it's literally the opposite. Not the range is going to determine what you do on the course, but the course determines what you do on the range. And I think that paradigm shift is going to happen because of this data. Similarly, if you look at golf course maintenance, a simple example, like world population is going to go from 7 billion to 9 billion in the next, I don't know, 30 years. I think it's like by 2050 or something like that. And so water is going to become more and more scarce resource. And we know golf courses need water. In fact, after generally after labor, it's the second biggest expense. And USG has done studies using some of our data where if golf courses have heat maps of where people take their shots and where they walk or the course utilization heat maps, they can reduce their water irrigation expense by 40 to 70%. Imagine that. Similarly, I mean, I can keep going on and on and on. But the content that a lot of people search on YouTube, what drills should they be doing and things like that, like, okay, for chipping, like, what should I be practicing to make my chipping better? In the future, all of that's going to be data driven. We'll know, okay, you're a 17 handicap, chipping's your biggest problem. Here's all the amazing stuff that's helped 17 handicappers get better because we'll have that history as well. So I think like literally every aspect, maybe your golf travel, like what course are you going to play best at and as a result have more fun? All that stuff, is gonna, data is going to drive basically every decision in golf. And I believe that's the future. It's going to happen sooner than people think. Wow, I love that three-part answer. So thanks for that. I love it on, for a lot of reasons. On the macro, the larger scale, myself as a sustainability architect and working in that realm for many years, what you're talking about are precious resources, especially water, 60 to 70 acres of land there, if not more. And really to pinpoint that, that gets me excited there. And then on the micro, really on more of a selfish point, I do suffer that pain point in golf where I have, I feel I've plateaued out or feel paralyzed by where to turn to make myself better and enjoy the game more. And I'm very excited to give Arcos Golf a shot here in the very near future to see how my game will improve this year and hopefully get that first hole in one here, Sal. I'm looking forward to maybe that happening too. Yeah, it's going to, I would say, redefine your golfing experience. You'll, you'll golf more, you'll golf better, and that's what will happen. And that is one of the keys to growing the game here is making it more fun and more enjoyable. So you guys are certainly on to something. So keep pressing forward with that. And thank you for everything that you've done for the great game of golf already. So to finish up here, Sal, can you tell us where our listeners can find you guys on social media? What's the best way they can see what you're up to? Yeah, I would say the easiest way to find us, go to arcosgolf.com, A-R-C-C-O-S, golf.com. Arcos is the inverse of the cosine function. So it's a mathematical term and it's like a tribute to some of the, I would say, ingredients of the secret sauce that is actually in the algorithms and the sensors and the app. Aha. Uh-huh. I was about to ask that question and you just answered it. So thank you for defining the meaning of Arcos in Arcos Golf there. Okay. Well, hey, Sal, why don't we leave it at that? So Sal Sayed, co-founder and CEO of Arcos Golf. Thanks so much for spending the time with me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. I've learned a ton and I'm excited for my 2018 golf year now that I look to put in place with having 14 sensors on the butt of each one of my clubs. Absolutely. Good stuff. All right. Take care. Bye for now. Thanks, Colin. That's a wrap for this week's episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Arcos Golf CEO and co-founder, Sal Sayed. Arcos is a company on the forefront of harnessing big data, artificial intelligence, machine learning, design thinking, and the Internet of Things. I look forward to speaking with Sal again in the future to hear if the next version of Arcos Golf manages to resonate with new golfers, especially women. I was at the PGA show last week and I dropped by the Arcos Golf booth 
I shot a lot of video at the PGA show, including one of the Arcos Golf demonstration. You can go to our Mod Golf Podcast YouTube channel to see that video, along with other videos covering the most entrepreneurial and innovative people and products at the show. Join us again next week on the Mod Golf Podcast when I speak with longtime golf innovator, coach, instructor, and entrepreneur Dean Ramoth, also known as the Dean of Golf. If you enjoy the Mod Golf Podcast, please go to our website at www.mod.golf or find us on iTunes, where you can subscribe on either platform. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Have a great week, and I look forward to you joining us again soon. Bye for now.